Hello everyone, you're listening to Fake ID. Here, we will share stories that break down the complexities that make up our identity. These are the sounds you will hear at Wagah border, the border that separates Pakistan from India, the line that separates Lahore, my birth city, from Amritsar, my ancestor's birthplace. You see, before 1947, Pakistan used to be a part of India, and both Lahore and Amritsar were part of one province known as Punjab. Today, there's two Punjabs, one in India and one in Pakistan. The need for partition of a new country came about as Hindus and Muslims in India were deeply divided and unwilling to coexist in the same nation. Growing up in Pakistan, I was taught in books about the pain that Hindus had caused Muslims. I remember hearing a story of a train full of migrants coming to Pakistan. And when it arrived, every single person on it had been slaughtered. Open the doors. I remember hearing stories of family members being lost during the partition. And so the only thing I knew about India until the age of 16 was what was taught to me in these stories or what I had seen on TV. And I always wondered what was being taught in India about Pakistanis. Now I've lived in Canada for a long time and some of my closest friends are Indian. But even then I must have biases within me because of what I studied growing up. For example, if someone calls me Indian, I could be offended. Or if I was to date or marry someone Indian, it would cause a lot of discomfort in my society. And it really makes you wonder why, because we share the same history, culture, even language. And this is not just true for India versus Pakistan, but it also applies to many other countries and cultures that have managed to create divides amongst them. And today's guest, Abu Bakr Khan, knows exactly what that's like. My name is Abu Bakr Khan. A few words I would use to describe my identity. I would say hybrid, fluid, and ever-evolving. So Abu Bakr's family migrated to Canada and America in 1912, long before the partition ever occurred. That means that this concept of Pakistan versus India doesn't really apply to him anymore. His family is from Punjab. So my family, the story is that they migrated to America first in 1912. So my great-grandfather and his father came here, and they were in San Francisco, then Seattle, then Vancouver. And back then, there weren't many brown people, South Asian at all. To white people, they were all Hindus. So it didn't even matter. So they were all really close. So my great-grandfather was actually in Vancouver when this ship called the Komagadamaru, which had all these Punjabis came from India. It was May, 1914. The Kamagatamaru sailed into Vancouver's harbor filled with Punjabi immigrants, all 376 men, British subjects. But officials refused them entry. After two months confined on board, the ship was sent back to India, where the British killed 19 passengers, imprisoned the rest. So it's for me at a young age, I remember hearing stories about this. 
they came here in Vancouver and they docked and they were not allowed to leave the boat. So my great grandfather was actually there for that, spent time with the people as this tall Muslim South Punjabi man. My great grandfather was like that. My grandfather's like that. My father's like that. And I think it was all just passed down to me of, you know what, like spend time with different people to build bridges um, in the communities rather than to just get locked into an echo chamber. Wow. I don't think I've ever met a Desi family that puts any emphasis on bridge building. So that's quite incredible. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up here in Surrey? So I was born in Seattle in a place actually called Renton. It's right, right by Seattle. So I was born there. And then I would just be crossing over on the border. So I'd be in Seattle and then I'd be in Surrey and Vancouver. So as a kid, I'd always be crossing this border all the time. So I remember the border would be its own place as well. It was like a third country. So how did the two places differ from each other and affect how you formed your identity in your younger years? So I think in the States, it was a little bit more multicultural for me. But then going into Canada, it was a lot of brown people, a lot of South Asians. And so I remember as a young kid there, that's where my identity crisis started slowly forming was when I'd be around all of these Punjabis as a kid. And then they would say, I would be like, oh, I'm Punjabi too, because my dad would speak fluent Punjabi. My mom would speak Urdu. My dad would speak fluent Punjabi. Um, and they would always say, oh, you're Punjabi. But these kids would say, how can you be Punjabi? You're Muslim. And I was like, wait, but I'm... And so I remember being in Surrey, that was the issue was that there was a lot of people that looked like me, but also there was a lot of divide. But I was fortunate to be able to, with my grandparents, with my father, my family, we were friends with Hindus and Sikhs and Muslims. So they were bridge builders. And they've always been bridge builders. But I know that that experience was not normal for a lot of other people because when you, I think, migrate, you kind of hang out with just Muslims and then Muslim Pakistanis, right? You kind of form around the mosque and you hang out there. So I was able to see, okay, wait a minute. I am Punjabi. What the heck is going on? I was confused, but I was able to also kind of be living in the intersection to an extent. And the last part I'll add is that because we came here before partition occurred, and by their own choice. And, and when we did migrate from the forced migration that occurred during partition, even during that, no one in my family was killed or died. So there was not a lot of trauma in that regard, thankfully. Um, I think that's why we were able to kind of keep those values intact. I think it's really incredible that you have this strong family legacy that you're continuing. I f- it's really easy. You're what, second, third generation in America? Fifth generation. Fifth generation. That's unheard yeah. of. That's really inspiring in the sense that a lot of us worry when we first move here that the next generation won't speak Urdu or they won't speak Punjabi. And this is a really interesting story to be able to say that, no, like five generations down, there is no need to forget your identity, but to remember it alongside loving everyone around you. Well, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. I think that even to that point, I'm seeing, a lot, as you just said, that there's a lot of people that come here and they're like, I want to be American. I want to be Canadian. And then what ends up happening is, as you're saying, a generation or two, they go through that whole process uh, and they lose themselves and their values and that whole Eastern philosophy of collectivism and like, again, coming together and love and unity. And I find that I, I think I'm just lucky that I'm at the kind of end of that cycle of seeing, oh, wait, wait a minute. Okay. This is not really what you want. You think that you want this the American dream and all of that, but this is going to lead to a huge identity crisis. I think what's really fascinating about your story, you said 1912, right, is when your family immigrated over. One thing I've been thinking a lot about is 
we grow up a lot with the biases that our families have. So I admit that I have a lot of biases in me because of my family growing up in Pakistan post-partition. And it seems that your family sort of exited that trap a long time ago and was able to cultivate an environment around you of love and acceptance of everybody. Is that is that true? I think my dad's side, for sure. That was the thing because they had been here. And so they had grown up with African-Americans. They had grown up with Punjabi. Like, you know what I mean? They really had their best friends. Like my dad's Punjabi sick friends would literally drop me off to Madrasa in Surrey. You know what I'm saying? Like it was normal. But on the other side, the flip side of that, with my mom's side, because they came from Pakistan more recently, right? Super kind-hearted people, very loving. But they had been born in Pakistan and they were more of like, oh yeah, you know what? Like we got to just stick together. We got to live together. It's got to be us. So I got to see both sides of that, which was so interesting. I was hanging out with my dad's side. It would be great. And I'd see, okay, they're American and they're Canadian. They're all born here. Um, they get it. And then my Pakistani side, I would have a lot of fun with them watching Pakistani cricket matches late at night, seeing against India. Oh man, we hate India. We hate Sachin Tendulkar and things like that. So I got to see that as well. And that kind of really um, led me more to like, wait, what, I got figuring out, okay, what's going on here? Something doesn't add up. Abu Bakr, for this episode, I would love for you to tell us a bit about the projects that you run for your international film agency, Diaspora Creative, and would love to learn about the films that you're creating and the inspiration behind them. So I think what I, I realized with the projects I do is they have to really, they, they have to speak to my heart. They really have to speak to my heart. And what I realized was that I, I remember I was in the social justice realm. So what I would do is I was a charity and nonprofit sector. I would spend time doing all these events. And that's when I remember that eventually I said, yo, I have to really dedicate my life to one cause instead of just trying to solve every cause. Because I think that then you're just spread too thin and then your mind is wandering. And that's what really made me realize, okay, look, I want to focus on, again, this identity crisis because this identity crisis for me uh, is leading to a lot of depression, anxiety, suicide, um, a lot of problems. Uh, and what I found on my journey was that this quote I really love, I, I found was addiction is the opposite of connection. And so I think what I realized was my theme for life was connection. I was always trying to connect with people always, right. From different schools, from different countries, just connecting with people. How do I connect with this person? How can I relate to them? And so what that led me to really realizing was I first had to connect with myself. And that's where I, I really focus on projects of the identity. Right now, it's about the South Asian diaspora because I can really tell those stories. I really can because those are stories that I've lived through. There's a reason why I'm doing the work I'm doing right now, which is making this whole film on the Punjab empire, Maharaja Rajit Singh, because his empire was all about unity and inclusion and took it a step from it, from tolerance to, again, friendship and working together. And so there's Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs, Christians, all living together in harmony, fighting off the British um, and the Afghan forces that would be invading.
Uh, and so I believe that again, because my great, great, my grandfather was definitely a part of that empire that those values held firm inside of him. And I think that's what they kept moving forward. So I realized that that bridge building, just like my great grandfather and grandfather and father would do kind of came back into, okay, now I'm bridge building, but focused on the content realm because everybody is watching content and everybody, like you said, with Pakistan, they're watching this wrong content, which is leading again to the same identity crisis. And it's not easy. And I think that's what we don't realize. Um, and I think by losing identity so many times, it's a lot of healing that we need to do. And that's why I keep saying healing the narrative. We need to heal the narrative. We don't need to create a brand new narrative. No, we have to go back, understand where we came from. And that all again requires privilege. That's where I have to keep highlighting the fact that because I've been here for so long, my family's been here for so long, I am able to now do this work. Um, okay, wait a minute, because now I'm not worrying about a roof over my head, thankfully. Okay, great. I was able to be, okay, what's my identity? What's going on? So why does this matter? There are a few lessons here for anyone trying to figure out their own identity. The first thing is that it's a fact that our values define a lot of our identity. It is our values that show up anytime we do something. For example, Abu Bakr's decision to be a bridge builder through storytelling. The value originates from his grandparents, from what they did in their life. But not all values are positive like that. Not all values are true to who we are. So ask yourself this. What are your values, and where do they come from? And when you know the source of these values, ask yourself if these values still resonate with you. Some of these values might have been passed down generations. Some of these narratives might have started long before you. And if they do not resonate with you, then why should you hold on to them? It can be incredibly hard to question these values. Believe me, I know. But how long do we keep the generational pain running and these biases within us? Ask yourself this. Who changes the narrative? Who heals the narrative? Maybe it can start with you and me. Today. Thank you for listening to Fake ID. If you know someone who has an interesting story to share about identity, please reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Fake ID Podcast.